Well, this morning again, I, I offer my apologies. You know, I sometimes I forget to remember. It's an age thing, John. It's, it's, that has nothing to do with my hairstyle. It's just an age thing. Uh, sometimes I forget to remember. I don't know that I've ever forgot and walked off and left everything at home. I may have. But, but anyway, but if I have, it's been a long time ago. So I get here and, uh, I, I go into panic mode. And, uh, since I said that, I'm, what I'm going to preach this morning is a message on trust. <laughs> uh, so I enter into panic mode. I'll be very frank with you. I had a, I've, I, I had a, I had, cause it's past tense, I still have it. Uh, I had a message prepared to, for this morning that is was going to lead in. I actually, it's so extensive, I was going to preach it in three segments. So I'm not going to preach it this morning because I don't want to, I don't want to leave something out of that message. So I, I, I just accept the Lord works in mysterious ways. So I, I, I don't go to life groups this morning. In my panic mode, I'm trying to get pictures of Tris, uh, Latrissa and Rick loaded, and I'm trying to get uh, uh, scramble, and I'm trying to go through my phone to get to my computer, and maybe hopefully draw my notes, and none of it, just none of it worked out. And forgive me if this bothers you, but I've got some big notebooks in there in my office, and uh, those notebooks date back to the to the my pre electronics days of sermon preparation because now all every every message I preach the PowerPoint I've got it saved it's somewhere they never hopefully never go away they're in a cloud account and and uh, you know uh, a lot of hours invested but before all of that age came about I did everything on paper and I have this happened I have two notebooks here. Uh, that are about this thick, that are full of, of, of sermons. And I have a couple more at home that are even thicker, actually. So I began to sit down in my office in there just a little while ago, and I began to fold through, thumb through messages. So if, I hope that doesn't bother you that, that I didn't put tons of hours into this particular message this week, but I can promise you I put tons of hours in it Back in June of 2008, 12 years ago, right? 12 years ago? No. How many years ago? 13 years ago. Yeah. 13 years ago. So, uh, yeah, this is 2022 now. I see, I forget to remember. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, but this is a message I preached and I crashed through a PowerPoint this morning, so I hope it's I hope it's reasonably right, just so you could follow along. But I want to welcome you home to Voice of Praise Worship Center, and I want to say Happy New Year from Sarah and myself, and thank you again for all your kindness to us throughout the the Christmas season. You were so kind to us. Uh, can I can I say this? Not only were we blessed during Christmas season. But I want to tell you somebody else that is going to be really blessed by your generosity and your love for us as your pastor during Christmas season. And that's going to be Chick-fil-A. Y'all gave us $110 worth of Chick-fil-A cards, whether you realize it or not. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't be eating 
Chick-fil-A, four-piece Chick-fil-A, chicken tender meals for, hey, several weeks, you know. Plus, I get points, so then I get my free chicken off my points, you know. You know, uh, praise God for chicken and Baptist, you know. Amen. Okay, enough said. This morning, Haley, you're, pro- let me see if this is going to work. No, it's going to work. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 14. Very familiar story, account of scripture. We've probably heard it preached and taught in many different ways through the years. But it's the, uh, it's the recording encounter, recording encounter of Jesus going out in the sea in the midst of the storm and walking on water. And as we go to Matthew chapter 14, down to verse 22, I want you to begin reading with me. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Let me pause here and say this. Uh, some of you, I know Faye has. Uh, Sarah and I have had a blessed opportunity to get to go to Israel. But when you're standing on the Sea of Galilee, uh, and uh, you actually, the other side is a literal place. It's a literal place. It just doesn't mean to go across. The other side is a literal place. Have you all been, John? Did you all get to go? You got to go. Did they show you guys the other side when you're there in Tiberias? You can look across and you can see. And and that the, the place across the, the Sea of Galilee is literally called the other side. Makes sense. It's on the other side. So so Jesus said, go ahead and and... Uh, uh, him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. I want to pause here and, and point out to you that Jesus is being very precise. He's being very precise and, and very, very, if you would, very particular in what he's saying here. You see, in other words, what Jesus has, Jesus has a plan already laid out. He's and and because he's Jesus, he knows what's coming forth. It said after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now the Sea of Galilee is not a really a big body of water at all when you when you when you get there. You know, when we think about a sea, we think about something that we can't even see across, but I've already told you. You can see to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, but the way that it lays in between some uh uh mountains and some canyons that all meet there in the Sea of Galilee, so we were told that that the uh, that when when the weather conditions are j- hit just right all simultaneously at the same time, and all these storms come come down these canyons at the same time, it's some of the most ferocious storms that you could ever experience in your life. And waves on this small sea that is really nothing more than a glorified lake that you would have waves as high as ten foot tall. Wow. It's an amazing place. I hope to take some of you all there sometime. So, so they were already considerable distance from land. Understand that that there was no light other than fire. There was no electricity in these days. At least it hadn't been discovered. That so it was a very dark night. It was a very dark night, and we know because there was a storm, uh, there was probably not even the illumination of the moon or our stars. So it was a very, probably near a pitch dark situation. 
And all of a sudden, their boat is being tossed and thrown about. That boat is probably not as big as one would think it is. When say, if you look at some of the archives, and again, I'll go back to our trip to Jerusalem. They have a boat there on display that is probably very what they believe to be very similar to what would been used in this particular journey. And quite frankly, it's not much longer than a couple of these pews set in the end, if that long. Not very big. So it was, it was, uh, it was a very terrifying experience to say the least. Shortly before dawn, there's an old saying out and there's a song written to it that says the darkest hour is just before the dawn. Just before dawn, which means that these guys have been out in this boat on this lake all night long. This didn't, this like is not a 15 minute occurrence. A very long night for these disciples on this boat. But shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and they began to cry out, it's a ghost or it's a spirit, I think. You're reading King James wording. They cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Well, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. I want to preach to you this morning... This message that I preached many years ago, that's I entitled, "Float Hope Floats, But Faith Walks. Hope Floats, But Faith Walks. The first thing I want to go back to is the, uh, is the location. You see, the, the location affects that we find ourselves in, or the situation that we find ourselves in, it affects our perception. In other words, our surroundings affect the perception of what's going on around us. In the midst of our crisis situation, and we all have them, we are influenced by our own emotion. Not only our own emotion, but we're often influenced by the emotion of others. Rick and Latrissa had an emotional moment here this morning. Joy did, Joy did as well with with her mom and dad, and and and, and so our, our situation adds to our emotions at times. And what happened is when we get separated from our comfort zones, it creates an atmosphere of anxiety for us. In most cases, you know, I, I like being comfortable. I, I, you know, I, I, I feel I, I've become so accustomed to having all of my gadgets. You know, I, I used to preach, and I, I used to preach, and didn't even have, have sheets of notes. I just would have notes written in my and little things, you know, taped in my Bible. And in the early years of preaching, and and <clears throat> could I still do it? Yeah, I could, but but I'm more comfortable now with all of my gadgets. You know. And, and, and sometimes we find ourselves outside of our comfort zone and when that happens, it creates an anxiety. 
But when things are at their worst, it's when we need to begin to look for Jesus in the midst of the circumstances. You see, we may not always recognize it at first as being a movement of God. Now, I don't, I don't think God causes everything, uh, needless to say. He, he doesn't cause bad things to happen, but, but I, I like an old song. You, you, those of you that, that know me well enough know that I'm, a, I'm an old bluegrasser when it comes to music. And, and, and there's, there's an old bluegrass gospel song that was out a number of years ago that said, nothing first, nothing comes your way by, but by first passing God's hand. Nothing's going to happen to me or you that God is not aware of. Nothing is going to occur that He doesn't already know about. Because He, it is His nature. You heard me say it so many times. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. And He's omnipresent. So, so there's nothing that God doesn't know. But what happens is that God uses circumstances that come. We call it life. Uh, he uses the circumstances of life that come our way to create His movements or His manifestations in our life. Now that is not always comfortable. I'll admit that. It's not always pleasant. I don't have a problem admitting that. It's not always easy to get, to come to deal with, but God will use circumstances not only for our good, if you read Romans 8 and 28, but He uses them for His good. And, and God had already destined these guys. He said, I will meet you over on the other side. He even defined, that defines the location. He, Jesus has identified that. Why in the world would one get upset even though it gets a little stormy and maybe you've got eight or ten foot waves and you're on a little, uh, uh, scruffy looking hand built boat? Why was that, why would that be a reason to get alarmed? God's already said, I'm going to meet you over on the other side so you know you're going to get there right ah, yeah most of us would have been crying like little girls if we had been on that boat we would have been scared to death we would have been upset because we would have been in an uncomfortable situation but in all of that circumstance God was on the move God was working you see it it's normal for us to experience fear in the face of the unknown and uncertainty. But when fear strikes, God is calling us to pray out to Him. Now, there's no evidence here, there's nothing recorded that said that these guys were praying before Jesus showed up, but we, we could assume that they probably were. Maybe they were praying, maybe they were crying out in fear, but then, but then when they saw Jesus walking on the water, their fear really began to arise in them, and, and they begin to wonder, is this a ghost? Is this a spirit? You know, reality, if you search this out, they were thinking... We are on the verge of perishing right right now. We're on the verge of perishing. And Jesus begins to respond to them. And Jesus begins to talk to them. And and Jesus begins to encourage them. You see, here's the thing about it. When we begin to cry out to Jesus, He will answer us. When we begin to call out to him, he, he will, he will speak back to us. And, and in this case, he says, fear not. And then what we have to do is 
We have to respond. We're, there's an obligation if we would. We need to at least muster it up to respond to God's instructions. And fear becomes subdued. Fear of failure. Fear of peer pressure. Fear of destruction. Fear of the unknown. All of those fears become subdued. You see, because those fears, it'll prevent us from stepping into uh, new areas of, of what God wants to do in our life. We, we, if we're not careful, we can let our apprehensions cause us to, to remain stationary at the best. Or even back up. When you think about the children of Israel, they, they, what was their, their cry to, to their leader? What was, what did they begin to say to Moses? They begin to say, why, why, why wouldn't you just leave us in the flesh pots of Israel? At least there we had something to eat. While all the time God's feeding them manna out of heaven. And, and, and when, when, when we find ourselves in apprehension, we find ourselves in fear, we find ourselves being tossed in the midst of the storm, uh, we, we really need to focus on the fact that God is going to use this to bring us into something new, as hard as it is. As hard as it is, if we will begin to focus that God and remember God is working everything for my good. But you know what? The first step is always the hardest step. The first step in anything that we go to do in life is always the hardest step. The first step is the, is that step that takes the, the most courage. The first step is the step that requires us to, to go uh, beyond our reasonable thinking in, in some cases. That first step is the, is the one that, that's going to cause us to, uh, 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 do the things that maybe, and I, in my mind right now, my mind is going back through when, uh, when I, begin to pursue vocational ministry and and uh, uh, some changes came about in my life and in my employment and, and my dad looked at me he said are you crazy he said man you got a good job he said why do you want, why do you want to leave a good job for he said to go preach he said preacher he said preachers starve to death you know and all this you know he thought it was he thought it was crazy he thought it was outlandish and but listen to me I had to take that first step. And the steps have not always been easy. They've not always come just like I thought they should come. But in the reality of things, God has taken care of me. I'm very comfortable with knowing and, and, and being satisfied inwardly that I am in the will of God. I know I'm where God wants me in this season of my life. But I would have never got here if I had not taken that first step and that initiative. And in order to do that, I had to get my eyes off of the ways. I had to get my eyes off of the storm i had to realize i have to not 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 be fearful that i'm in darkness if you would uh putting it in context with the scripture that we've taken this morning but i had to realize god is going to minister me he's going to carry me through this even if he has to come walking to me on the water he's going to bless and he's going to take me into his care so you see when we begin to think about it, hope will put us afloat. Hope will put us afloat. I have great hope in God. I have great hope. Hope, hope will cause me, when Jesus says, get in the boat, I want to take you over to the other side. 
But he says, I'll meet you over there and, and, and in the morning after you have crossed, I'm going to be there with you. Did, did it ever occur to you? Now, of course, Jesus could have went by land. You can circle the Sea of Galilee and you can go by land and you can get to the other side. But here's the thing about it. The shortest way to get to the other side is to cross that lake. Did they ever consider, how is Jesus, did, well, I just wonder about that. Did they ever give a thought? How's, how's Jesus going to get to the other side when we're already in the, man, we have been in the boat here for four five hours, how's he going to be over there? You know, he can't outwalk us because we can get there by boat quicker than he can travel by foot. How's he going to manage that? There's nothing that indicates that they've tried to rationalize all of that out in their mind. And therefore, they just blindly, if you would, in a sense of saying it, that blindness or a faith, they set out to float across that lake to get to the other side. God is calling us to, to, if you would, blindly release our faith and go afloat into everything that He's got for us that we may meet Him on the other side. He is calling us to enter a place where we just reach out in faith and say, God, I'm casting my bread upon the water. I'm casting my ship out to sea. I'm just going to where you want to lead me, where you want to guide me, where you want to take me and I'm releasing my faith. You see, that's hope that floats. But then the storm came. And as the storm came, then we find that they were fearful. Jesus shows up. Oh man, is this a ghost? No, this is not a ghost. This is Jesus. And then then Peter, the troublemaker. Church trouble, church troublemakers are not always the bad ones. Do we have any troublemakers in that? No, don't ask your hand. Church troublemakers are not always the bad ones. There, you know, anytime you put more than two people together, you're going to have some, some kind of conflict or disagreement at one time. Bless God, I, you know, and you just love, you gotta love those people. Oh, uh, one of my, one of my, my great mentors, John would probably say this too, in, in my ministry over the years was a fellow named Ed Richardson. And Ed Richardson, uh, oh brother, in one of our luncheons, John, he told me one time, he said, brother, he said, I just want to tell you. He said, he said, it's good to have those people that are abrasive, one or two of them in your congregation. He said, because, he said, that abrasion, he says, that causes friction. He said, friction causes heat, and heat causes fire. He says, sometimes, he said, some of those people that cause the most friction are some of the ones that set the biggest fires. So, I don't know whether, I've, I've always sort of held on to that as an encouragement, you know, anyway. But Peter, the guy that had, he, this is, I mean, Peter, we think about Peter, we think about the guy that had problems. He had failures. He had difficulties. He, oh no Lord, I'm not going to deny you news, sir, buddy, not me, but yeah, we know he did, buddy, he did, you know. Peter, same guy. He's struggling. He's having, uh, hey, okay, Jesus, if this is you, if this is really you, why don't you just ask me to come out here and walk on the water with you? 
Now, I don't know the frame of mind that Peter asked that question in. Now, because we're godly people and we're sanctified, we would like to think that Peter was asking that in the frame of mind that he really identified with this being Jesus and he really wanted to walk on the water of Jesus. But just suppose, just for a minute, just just suppose, just suppose that Peter was being a smart aleck. Oh, if it's that's you, Lord... Why don't you just ask me to come out there and walk around on the water with you a little while? Jesus said, invitation's open. But regardless of the attitude or the countenance that Peter had when this occurred, we know the story that Peter began to step out and walk on the water towards the Lord. The water is deep, the water is cold, the water is dark, the water is probably still very choppy. It could have been completely still at that time, but it doesn't matter. If you're like me and you ever tried to walk on water, you found out that it doesn't work very good. You want to see some of the most amusing videos Videos you can watch. Go on YouTube and try and watch YouTube videos of people that try to walk on water or ride motorcycles on water or ride their bicycles on water. It's some of the most funny videos that you could ever watch in your life. Well, I'll tell you all this, and I'm not ashamed of it. Not only can I not walk on water, I can't swim in water. I swim like a giant sand rock. And we assume Peter can swim, you know, fisherman, you know, been around the water all of his life, you know, uh, you know, he, 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 uh, you know, uh, he, he, he knows the stuff, you know, they, it's a, a primary style of life in Peter's day. So probably, yes, he could swim, but as Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, we know the story, and we could be critical of Peter here, that Peter, as his eyes begin to look around, as he begin to look down, that, that Peter begins to sink. And yes, we can we can criticize Peter by that, but I also want to say this to you this morning that faith walks. Because it took some faith for Peter to step out of that boat. Hope hope floated the boat. Hope put them in the boat. Hope put them there. They looked forward to seeing, meeting Jesus on the other side. But it was faith that brought Peter. And yes, there are some similarities to hope and faith. But it was really faith that brought Peter out of that boat. And as Peter began to walk on that water, and he begins to make his way towards Jesus, was it two or three steps? Was it four or five steps? I don't know. Was it several hundred feet? I really don't know. You speculated in your mind. Imagine it however you want to, but what, however it was, listen, whether it was one or two steps or whether he took a dozen steps, it doesn't matter. Peter got to do something that nobody else in that boat had to offer, or at least took opportunity to do. He done something that most of us in this room have yet to do, and that's to walk on water. Most of us in this room will never walk on water, and at least not in this dimension of life, but I want you to know this, there are many situations in our life that we have 
have launched out in great hope and we have been afloat on the, on the river of life, if you would. We've been afloat across the ocean, the sea of life, and, and all of a sudden things have gotten stormy. And it comes the occasion that we need to get out of the boat. And when we release our faith, then we can get out of the boat. Listen, getting out of the boat, releasing our faith means if we get out of the boat, even if we begin to sink, we still have faith that Jesus is going to retrieve us. He didn't, he didn't call us. He didn't, he has not ordained us. He has not saved us to fail. God has not made any failures. Jesus didn't redeem any of us to be a failure. He didn't make any of us to be miserable. He didn't make any of us that the world could look at and make spectacle. You know, you know, some of their, uh, some of those people in the Bible that we read about, you know, they really struggled with things. Jonah and, uh, you know, he struggled with things and, uh, Jeremiah struggled with things about, oh yeah, I, I'm gonna do all this and then people are gonna repent and then, and then you're, and then you're gonna be gracious and, and I'm gonna look like a total idiot, you know, after it's all over and done with. You know, sometimes there's things in our life that God has called us to do and we need to rise up in faith and to step out and walk, begin to walk in the impossibilities of the calling that He has given us and let God do the work. Listen, He's not gonna make idiots out of us. He's not gonna make us look foolish. He's not going to make us look dumb. If we know that it's the purpose and the plan of God, if we've launched out in hope, but now we're in a place where we're going to have to reach a little bit deeper and we're going to have to pull out some faith and we're going to have to walk in faith and do some walking on water, although I'm saying that in a a metaphoric way, we're going to have to move into areas that God has called us to do and do so in faith. When Peter looked up, and he saw Jesus. He just cried out a simple cry. A two-word prayer. Save me! Two-word prayer. Now, you know, if it had been us, we would have went into, we would have called the intercession team. We would have, we would have called, we would have called, we would have called every intercession team in the country. And we'd have said, I, I, I need, we, we need special prayer. You know, we, we would call, you know, uh, whoever, whoever. I can't even remember any of them anymore, but we would have called all these 1-800 intercession teams and, and we would have went online and we would have, and, and we would have registered for intercessory prayer and prayer needs, prayer helps. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm just being a little sarcastic. But, G, but Peter didn't have an opportunity to call an intercession team. There's, there's no evidence that he even turned around and looked at the guys behind him in the boat and said, Would you all pray for me? Now he just looked to Jesus. And all he had to say to Jesus, he cried out, Save me! So if you set out, if you set out a float, hope puts you in float, hope puts you out to sea. Hope puts you up going across the lake. Hope puts you going down the river. Hope has has set you out on your journey. But all of a sudden, everything is going wrong. All of a sudden, everything has gone south on you. All of a sudden, the night is dark. the, The ocean is deep. The waves are high above your head. Everything is looking bad. But listen, faith will allow you to walk. Criticize Peter as much as we want to. But those other guys in the boat, 
I can imagine, I can imagine Peter later on uh, gathering around all of the nieces and nephews, if he had them, and, and anybody else that was around, and gathering people around, and Peter saying, hey, let me, let me tell you all about that time I walked on water. Well, what about James and John? Nah, they didn't get to. I got to. See, faith will cause us to walk through difficult situations. Faith will cause us to walk through dark circumstances. Faith will cause us to go when it seems like there's no way to go on. Faith will cause that. And even if our faith begins to fail, Jesus, save me. That's all it took. That's all it took. And Jesus just reaches down, takes Peter by the hand, if you would, I don't think he carried him. I think he just brought his feet back up to the surface of the water. And hand in hand, Jesus walks Peter, the man that used faith. Jesus walks him back to the place of hope. Are you with me?
God, I'm dependent upon you that you brought the word that you wanted to stay. And God, I speak hope and I speak faith into lives in this room this morning. God, there's hope that is, that there's, there's people in this place that, that have had great hope, tremendous hope. But Lord, it is, their hope, Lord, has been injured. Their hope has been hindered, Lord, with circumstance. But God, faith is going to bring them back to that place of hope. Because faith is going to bring them with an encounter with you like they've never had before. So Lord Jesus, we ask your Holy Spirit, as he's doing his work here this morning, to not withhold anything from us. And I ask, Lord, that that the that people that are in this room this morning and those that are watching, Lord, I ask that their ears will be in tune to what you are saying to them today. Their ears will be in tune to your word. And Lord, today I just pray that, Lord, that they will yield, yield to the, the wooing of the Holy Spirit. They will yield to the call your spirit as he's working in their lives today. And I pray these things in faith and in hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let me tell you something. Real real basic, real simple. You're sitting in this room. You're watching. And you're not a Christian. You're not born again. The fellow I mentioned a while, a while ago earlier this morning that said, he said, I'm a God-fearing man. He said, but I'm not a Christian. You know, just being a God-fearing person doesn't make you a Christian. It means what makes you a Christian is a right, a relationship that is established through and by Jesus Christ, accepting Him as your Lord and your Savior personally. If you're in this room or you're watching and you're not a Christian, you're not saved, you do not know God in a saving relationship, I've got sad news for you. You have no hope and your faith is futile. You need a relationship with Jesus. And before I ask anything else in this in this altar service, I want to know, is there somebody in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed that would slip up your hand and say, Pastor... I need to be saved. Or if you've drifted far from God, if you've drifted far, far away, you need to return to the Lord. If that's you today, without embarrassing you, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to point you out, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Anybody in this room? I take it by that. The lack of response, that all is well. All is well. Let me go a step further with this call. Are you in this room and you launched out in hope? You had great hopes. You had high hopes. You had you you had tremendous hopes. You you have tremendous dreams. You had tremendous visions. You were inspired in so many ways. But along the way, there are circumstances or situations, uh, and it could be anything, any and everything that has come along, and suddenly your hopes have become over overwhelmed in the midst of the storm of life. Your hopes have become uh, have become they've grown dim, and they become nothing more than seemingly a faint memory. 
But you know yet that God called you. See, we use that scripture all the time that the, the, the callings and the elections of God are without repentance. If God called you to something, God's not going to release you from that, I don't think. I mean, yes, he may do some different things, but I believe, I believe when God has called us and God has led us into something, I believe that, that, that calling and that election that he's called us into is ongoing in our lives. But maybe circumstances have hindered that some. You need Jesus to come visit you walking on the water. You need Him. You need to be the Peter. You need to be the one that says, Hey, 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 if that's really you, God, let me get out there and walk on the water with you. If that's you this morning, if your if your hope has waned, if your hope has grown dim, or maybe you feel like your hope has completely expired, but I want you to know this morning, this morning, it's not a ghost. There's any ghosts about it to be the Holy Ghost. Jesus is coming to you. And all you got to say is, Hey, Lord, can I get out there and walk on the water with you? If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand and say, Pray for me, Pastor, without any embarrassment. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Is there any other? Several hands that went out through our congregation. Several hands.